Are you ready? Ready to transform your life and step into the person that you say you want to be. Ready to stop talking and start doing. I'm Ange, a health and fitness coach. And I'm Ashley, a Reiki master and energy healer. And we are here to help you do exactly that. And you're busy. We get that because we are too. But even with the challenges and chaos, you deserve and can live a life full of absolute joy, happiness, and purpose. We want you to join us in taking radical responsibility so that you can take everything in your life to that next level. Have the best sex of your life. Live in a body that you love. Let go of worry and stress. And live in total alignment. Your happier, healthier, and amazing life is waiting for you. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So it's definitely a a blessing of a day when you reflect upon the fact that it's the longest day that we're able to um, be appreciating such beautiful rays from the sun, you know, to uh, ignite us and to be able to fill our uh, cups of tea so we can share it with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a beautiful, perfect day. I thought uh, my niece turned seven today. So we were out enjoying this in the splash pad in the heat of the day. And I just thought, and I, I know her little soul and she definitely is that kind of soul that showed up to take the longest day of the year for her birthday. <laughs> like, I was just wow. like, brilliant. Wow. Like if you're going to have a birthday, you pick the longest day. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Story. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Well, first of all, why don't we just tell our audience who you are there, Dr. Caesar Lara? And just so everybody listening, we met um, this amazing shaman at the Bodhi Retreat down in St. Petersburg, Florida in May of this year. And he led us through a wonderful activity on the Friday evening that was very powerful, particularly for Ashley. And um, maybe we can share a little bit of the insights about what that activity was about too. Sure. So, um, you know, I was called to in, into this journey in my life uh, to do exactly what I'm doing today. And so I see myself as a healer or really as a bridge to other others in the other individuals' ability to help heal themselves. Right. And so but my journey started as a physician. So I've always wanted to be a doctor, wanted to deliver babies and take care of the moms and the grandmas and all the kids. And I was blessed to do that, became a family doctor uh, and was uh, very happy doing that as I finished my residency. But around 15 years within the context of that journey, I became to realize that I wasn't really making a real difference in my patient's overall life. Um, I was definitely being helpful and I was decreasing pain, decreasing um, abnormal blood testing uh, in in the different uh, laboratory tests that we would do, or just somehow or other was a little bit of help, but never really getting to the root of the problem. And so I began to see myself more as someone that was putting band-aids on people and not really helping them heal whatever truly was making them ill. And so in that journey, I then evolved into becoming a lifestyle physician, which meant that instead of practicing the traditional ways, I began to focus more on nutrition, 
and begin to focus more on how the body ages and what science tells us in terms of how to be able to um, revert or decrease some of the conditions that are associated with aging. And so I uh, have been in that journey for a good 15 years. And within the context of that, there was a uh, awakening that happened uh, within me where I really began to appreciate that despite everybody eating completely perfect and despite everybody feeling completely healthy, uh, there's still a significant amount of unhappiness, a lot of pain. And so I became to really appreciate uh, the two worlds that we live in, the one that we see and the one that we don't see. And so as a shaman, uh, I've been able to be uh, given the opportunity to appreciate that wisdom and be able to work within the context of both of those uh, universes. And so that's where I, I, I do today. I work uh, with a platform of health, uh, basically helping people release excess weight, decrease uh, conditions by using Pachimama or Mother Earth as the main substance to help us heal and uh, understanding the challenges of the mind and how the mind can make us well or can make us sick. And so being able to be appreciative of those two but working specifically at the energy fields of my patients so that I can begin to actually with their, um, with their awareness to be able to guide them to those areas that need healing so that we can transform ourselves and come to truly appreciate the divine aspect of who we truly are. So it's wow. a long introduction, but wow. I don't know how to uh, just, you know, to get started, I just say what comes to my mind. <laughs> It's beautiful. Thank you. So when you speak of working in their energy field, what does that look like? Because you, you've gone from being a medical doctor yes. into a shaman. Yes. And what's going off in my brain right now is I was a teacher and now I'm a Reiki master, right? Yes. And so there's, there is this really big transition that has to happen within the self as you release ego and step into your path. Um, but I do wonder when you talk about the energy field, because that is not the physical human body that you would so typically in the medical as a physician yes. working with. So what what's that look like and how do you kind of balance the two? Because you do, you are working a lot with weight loss, the body, yes. aging, health, and moving in that direction, but you're doing it not from that physical element, right? You're impacting the physical, but from that metaphysical. Yes, yes. And so uh, that that you hit so accurately is probably the biggest challenge that I uh, had to be guided by because it, it felt like a wall. In other words, when you are working with energy, you really are opening up all your senses, and you also appreciate that you're not working alone. And so you need to be connected into that field to the point that you can begin to receive messages. And then of course, the right side of the brain, which is the academic, the doctor, the evidence-based protocols, you know, two plus two is equal to four, kind of very Western linear perspective. That one is, is, is will, a lot of times at the beginning be coming up in my mind and saying, now, is that you that is just thinking that, or is that, you know, in other words, there's that element of doubt, right. That gets introduced that basically derails your ability to do what you are there to do. But 
you know, the universe is so loving and so amazingly uh, giving that every time that I went into that, I came out stronger. And the more I go into it, the stronger I become. And so I've come now to uh, do that dance fairly comfortable. Uh, I, when I step into my role as a shaman, I truly leave as much as I can all the masks that I may have and try to leave all the conceptions of what is right and what is wrong and how does how did this become to be that and just open myself to the world of possibilities and the possibilities are in the context of each patient or each individual that I work with within the context of their journey so I'm not there to take care of them and to take on their karma from that way of looking at things. But I'm really there to be of assistance and be a support system, be a light. And, uh, and in the process of that, of course, in order to anytime anyone within the context of my field gets, uh, begins to vibrate at a higher level, I'm vibrating at the higher level too. So it's always a beautiful uh, reciprocity that we work with, that everything is you're giving, but everything's coming. And so there's, uh, there's this beautiful contract, right. That as a shaman, you come to appreciate that is when, you know, spirit calls, you know, you answer. And then you also appreciate that when you call spirit, it's always there to answer you as well. So just learning to be perceptive. And I think it's just, that's probably the hardest, the hardest skill for me because I was trained for so many years, you know, where's the study, where's the data, you Mm -hmm. know, and of course, now the data world has been turned upside down a few times with our brother COVID coming into town. But we appreciate that people can manipulate anything, but we intuitively know what the truth is, right? So if we just allow ourselves to, to connect with that. Yes. And thank you for touching on that so delicately. We have covered some of that a little bit in our uh, podcasts here with our brother COVID. And yeah. uh, you touched on that very beautifully and eloquently without um, still leaving it as everybody's journey, which I think is yeah, really it, beautiful. It is. And, and, you know, all these beautiful things, like we can look at the world because sometimes you look around and like, wow, we have a war. Our economic system is disrupting i mean we have our you know we don't know who to trust within the health field you know uh it, there there just seems to be no um no balance within the context of our government within the context of all these institutions but that's because the world is changing right so we're going through this metamorphosis and uh the world's going to shake itself out and we're evolving into a more loving evolution for humankind you know, and uh, and so understanding that, you know, I tend to see things always from the perspective of the beauty that they bring, even when they may look ugly. There's always some element of of beauty. And if we can focus on that, then all the ugliness falls away. Right. One of the analogies that um, has come to me through all of this is the earth is awakening. We are moving into a better balance of female and masculine energy or feminine and masculine. And so, but I see it very much like child labor and, or not child labor, um, childbirth, right? The labor that comes with that. And because you have delivered babies and you've worked with women and mothers and 
I, you will, you will understand what I'm talking about. Well, and hopefully a lot yeah. of our listeners, yeah. a lot of our listeners who have given birth or been by the bedside or have a sibling or something connected to that. But I, I remember the first contractions, right. And you're like, Oh, I can do this. Right. And same with kind of, as things kind of unravel, we're like, okay, this is okay. We can figure this out. And then it kind of moves into, um, middle labor where you're like, Oh, this is the hard part that everybody talks about. Like, okay, still okay. We're still okay. And then it gets to that active labor where you're like, I can't do this. I'm out. I'm done. This is not good. I quit. <laughs> and then there's a baby, right? Yes. And it's all completely worth it. And so I think we're just, we're in that active labor piece and moving into that like really beautiful place where if this is what we get at the end of it, if we are on the edge of a golden age, then we're yes. just on the precipice. Yes. yes. And, and so from the shaman perspective, uh, you tend to look at this time is called the Pachakuri time or is the time where things get transformed, you know? So it's been, uh, of course, written in the different legends or stories that you hear about and that we're actually evolving from the, uh, into a new human that is going to be evolving into what it's considered now the human uh, luminous, you know? So uh, it's, is this element of light beings that we already have known that we are for some time, but that now we're beginning to get the right codes from uh, our father, son, and the different sources that are beginning to truly bring attention and bring, bring, bring the ability for us to no longer say that something is magic, but something is just part of the quantum field. That's how it is. What you think is what you create. And so when we begin to shift that, we begin to co be co-creators of a world that we truly want to be part of. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a lot of hope in, in my heart. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hope because I, but at the same time, uh, the compassion is there to, to recognize the pain that we're going through. And it's not just the ability of being able to live longer. It's always, uh, a nice idea, but it's just the quality of life that we as individuals have, uh, especially in the United States and in other parts of the country. But as advanced as we are, we tend to uh, live our last decade of life, literally from doctor to doctor. Uh, many times we're in different uh, places uh, for other people to take care of us. Uh, you know, so it, we have become so technologically oriented that we have began to, uh, you know, when you're, someone gets in the hospital uh, with a diagnosis of COVID and there was a time where nobody could go visit. And if the person was 80 years of age, here they're 80 years of age, they're not gonna die of COVID, they're gonna die of loneliness, you know, mm -hmm. and confusion. So there's a lot of pain as we go through these changes, just like giving labor, there's a significant amount of pain, but you endure that pain through the love that everything meant to you and you, delivered us amazing beautiful being and it's a miracle right i mean to realize that you are as a feminine spirit are actually connected to the magic of pachimama and are able to co-create this beautiful life i mean that to me is like so amazingly beautiful that all the pain in the world is worth it absolutely absolutely all right I was going to say, I kind of want to rein it in a little bit and talk about weight loss. I know we kind of went a little bit on a tangent in another direction, but 
I know a lot of our listeners are interested in weight loss and I love the one way you like to describe it, um, Shaman Lara. And that's in the way of releasing weight instead of losing weight and how you like to explain that once we release the weight, we don't want to go and find it again. So let's say I'm somebody who walks into your clinic or I'm somebody who's listening right now and I'm ready to release some weight. What is the first step that you recommend to be able to go through that process? So I think, you know, the most important thing that I do when I first sit down with you, even though let's say, you, it, your appearance tells me that you're overweight, that you probably are 75 pounds of excess weight. And a lot of people like that come into the practice. So it's easy for me to assume because you're coming to a practice of weight loss that you're there because you want to release weight. But for me, it's an assumption that is, that, that is, and the surface appears to be true, but the individual is truly there because they want to change their story. They have a story to tell. And that story has all the richness within that story for them to be able to appreciate and let go of that story. And so for me, the most important thing, and what I would suggest to listeners would be to, within 10, 15 minutes, just write down in a piece of paper, what your story is in reference to your weight. So if you came to me and I said, okay, how can I help you? And you said, well, you know, I, and, and, you, and many people come at it different ways. Uh, my doctor told me, uh, you know, I try many times to lose weight, but I can't or one story or another. But at the end of the day, my interest is in finding out what their story is. Once I know their story, then I can begin to help them understand that in the context of the story, they were victims. So they're victims of circumstances, the divorce that happened and they, or, or the uh, uh, automobile accident, or, you know, there's some trauma that is typically associated. So learning to appreciate our story is the only way that we can then be able to see it and be able to release it and be able to co-create a new story. But having said outside of that, which is very critical within the context of energy healing, right? Because I'm picking up stories and I'm picking up feelings as a person is expressing themselves. I can see how they're holding their hands. So I'm very attentive because this is how you begin the healing process by having someone that can listen to you, can listen to your story with an open heart. And so that's the beginning of the healing. But then the uh, uh, primary issues that I will be discussing with them is that in the issue of increasing weight is what I would consider to be a metabolic imbalance. And what that means to me is that if we can recreate that balance, then the body can heal itself and it will release the weight naturally as opposed to us coming about it by trying to fix the problem. Here, how can you cut this piece of of fat from me off, or can you suck it off, or how can I lose it the quickest? And so we tend to focus on a problem and we want a some kind of a solution that is limited to that. But in the process, we need to appreciate that the imbalance is caused primarily by a dysfunctional gastric biome. 
So I give my patients an education and the importance of the trillions of bacteria that live within our body and what they, what they like to feed on. And if you feed them the wrong stuff, you get the wrong kind of guys and they begin to create different inflammation in your body and begin to literally make you fat, make you tired, make you literally less than your optimal because these dysfunctional bacteria are not serving you. They're there because of these functions that occur, whether it's through medications, through the diet, through the emotions. The next part that I like to talk about is on the brain, that we need to upgrade the brain because most of my patients are basically being managed. They're managing their lives uh, based upon what I, what I call the limbic brain. The limbic brain is the most ancient part of our brain. And that is the part of our brain that is completely responsible for the flight or fight or freeze response. And if you look at our communities, we're under so much fear and stress that is being bombarded all the time that, that people are continually under this dysfunction of feeling like they're anxious, feeling like they're not good enough, feeling, you know, all these dysfunctional emotions. So we need, I need to then help them understand how to rebalance their brain by using appropriate nutrition, omega fish oils, then there's another part about detoxifying. So it's a comprehensive experience. Uh -huh. But having said that, it's not rocket science. So this is just, you know, if you think about Mother Nature and where we come from and, and how we lived and, and, and the fact that we still live in this amazing paradise that we call Mother Earth, if we were to think of it that way, we also would realize that all the healing is right there in Pachimama. So my nutritional plan is eat greens, greens, greens. And when you get tired of greens, eat some more greens. It's a simple process. And then you begin to focus on, yes, you need to have a little protein for breakfast, a little protein for lunch, a little protein for dinner so that we don't begin to lose all the nice, healthy muscles that we have because we just want to lose a little bit of the fluff. But, you know, when you look at that, if you ate the greens, you would have an amazing gut health. If you ate the greens and you ate the fish and you ate the uh, nice... Uh, healthy fat, you would have an amazingly functioning brain. And so if you have an amazingly functioning brain and you're eating all these healthy things, then of course your body's going to be healthy and strong and you're not going to be sick and you're going to dream all kinds of beautiful things into coming because you don't have to worry about stuff. You know, so there's a shift that needs to occur. Um, and, uh, and so my passion before I became a shaman is really to help motivate, educate, and, and help guide my patients into their own well-being by taking control of their lives and realize that whatever emotions they're feeling, that's their own. Whatever ideas they're having, that's their own. Yeah, the fact that that person that's in front of me triggered me or, you know, she always does that or how could she do this to me? Hey, all that stuff lives inside of you until you start cleaning that out, you're still going to be at the mercy of everything, which means that in essence, you live a life as a victim. And so we need to evolve from that perspective. Of course, the other role that we like to play outside of the victim is the, is the role of the prosecutor, you know? Oh, you know, thinking of all these wrongs that have been done by the world or that we have done to others because we prosecute ourselves just as much as we prosecute others. So mm, I love it. What a great process. And even I was watching one of your YouTube videos from your website. And the other piece I think that you mentioned was that shift in mindset. You talked about the victim, you talked about the um, prosecutor, but even that shift in mindset to become the person who 
is whatever it is they're trying to become. So becoming the person that's healthy. So what are some of those words that you would coach your clients on in terms of where their mindset should be when they're going through a physical transformation? So, you know, once a person begins to detoxify from a lot of the sugars and they begin to improve their gut health, and that can be improved in as little as a week or two weeks. And of course, their their brain, after they detoxify, they'll be able to think a little bit more clear. And at that point, the main uh, emphasis is to appreciate that there's the conscious and then there's the unconscious mind. Understanding that as an individuals, we have an average of 70,000 thoughts uh, per day, but of those 70,000 thoughts, less than 3% are conscious. So that means that we have over the majority of our thoughts are literally programs running our lives, right? And so it's, you know, if you just focus on the physical, just like you're bringing attention to it and without changing the mindset and the mindset still thinking this way. So before you know it, you get right up there. So we do need to affect that. And the way that I, the tools that I use is uh, one of my primary uh, perspectives that I have lived my life for some time is uh, like is visualize, believe, and actualize, you know, it, and, and so what that means is that if you want something and let's say you want to be healthy, you want to be, a, you know, you're 170 pounds and you really want to be 130. That's your healthy weight. That's where you feel your best at. And so if that's what you want, then you need to be able to visualize yourself being that. And so I uh, have a mantra that I give my patients and uh, I'll share it uh, with the listeners. So it basically you will start the mantra by writing I am and then put blank and do I am uh, uh, seven lines of I am with a blank after. And so the first, with this in reference to weight loss, the first three are going to be number one, the weight that you feel your body is the healthiest at. So if someone was weighing 200 pounds and, they, and their best weight was 150, they would say I am 150 pounds. The next line will say, I am, and I always ask them, what size would 150 pound body, the way you're thinking about, what size would that be? Okay, size eight. So first line is, I am 150. Second line is, I am a size eight. Third line is always a given, I am healthy. Because I want to make sure that when we put these words out into the universe, that the people reach their health, their, their goal, not because they got into a car accident, but because they're healthy. So it's always important to be clear. And then I give them three different adjectives to bring into it by saying, if I was a, um, if I was in a magic lamp and I popped out and I was telling you, you have three wishes, what wishes would you, would you want outside of your health and outside of your weight? And at that point, the person may say, well, I wish I had more money. So I am abundance. Uh, or I wish I could, have children, I am family, you know? So you begin to kind of interact. And so at the end of the day, you have a mantra that starts with the word I am. And you basically repeat these seven times, but the magic of how this works is that you need to be visualizing what you're saying when you're saying it. So that what's happening is you're creating an avatar in your mind of the picture of this individual that you saying you are because you're, you're using the word I am. So that creates this powerful domino effect because you're using some powerful verbiage that is historically very, you know, 
universally like a vortex that takes these words into major action. And you begin to visualize that two, three days into it, you no longer have to remember what you wanted to say. All you have to do is look at your avatar and you basically say, I am this, I am that, because you're already seeing it. That begins to change the neuroplasticity in your brain. And then you begin to make this repetition and you repeat it seven times in the morning, seven times in the afternoon or early evening before dinner so that your mind can, can continue to, to do its work of neuroplasticity, which is developing new, new ways, new highways of thinking. And then you will see that within a couple of weeks, you begin to release that weight. And, and then when you release it, you're actually shifting into actually becoming what you always thought you were. And so it's, and then we're, we're, we're in the process of writing a new story, right? Because then you are not just the actor, but you're the writer of your own story. So Caesar, when you talk about this story, my brain's coming back to what you mentioned first, Ange, about um, the story. So for those of you who are listening, see, Dr. Dr. Shaman Caesar Lara was the guest speaker the very first night. So everybody's just kind of meeting each other, getting to know each other. The teachers are there. And he gives us all a task. He says, he gives us all a piece of paper and pen and says, you have 10 minutes. Um, you need to write a story. And your story needs to have a prince or a princess, a dragon, and a warrior. Or a warrior. You know. Or a warrior. Right? And so we all go to this task of doing this wonderful little exercise. Is this what you have... Um, when you talk about the story that comes out, is that an exercise that you use? I will, I'll share my experience with that story because it was very powerful. Um, but is that the type of story that you use? Yes. So that's the type of story that I use, but not in the context of the example where I was telling you, what is your story? So mm -hmm. I don't have them write it in 10 minutes. Um, I more or less in that particular instance, I'm having a conversation because okay. I'm trying to assess within 15 minutes, which direction I need to guide the, the person in. So, so I'm still, so in that instance, I'm half my, I have about half my foot in the energy field, but the other half is still navigating that, you know, the knowledge. Is, the person, is the person understanding what I'm saying or are they completely clueless? Do, you, do they just want to know if they can drink water or, you know, you know, in other words, I need to be able to do a lot of assessments. What we, what we're doing, what I was doing with you, it's a little bit more when someone is ready to, you know, be begin to go deep into themselves, right? So now we're getting into the subconscious mind. We're getting into the shadows, you know? And so when you tell someone to write a story and you catch him by surprise, you know, as opposed to me telling you, oh, I want you to write this story and I want you to get up tomorrow early and, you know, write and spend a good two hours writing it, you know, you can definitely lose yourself in the context but if you can actually capture it like within a 10 minute 15 minute opportunity then the things that will come into your mind you won't even know what they're there because you're like okay what am i going to write about the cat and a dog okay you know and you begin to suddenly come up with ideas where you don't realize that those ideas are basically expressions of the field that is that is informing you right and so we can begin to gather a significant amount of information as we begin to appreciate where our map is and, 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 and where are we going within the context of the map? You know, where's our compass? And so that is a beautiful exercise, but really is more geared to, to, to someone that is ready to, 
to, to tackle that deeply. Um, and so it requires a little bit more self-awareness to, to know that that's where you want to go. You know, so somebody that comes to me who says, I want to, you know, lose 50 pounds, of course, in, in addition to me telling her, we don't use the word lose here, as we had talked about earlier, uh, but we use the word release, you know, to, to again, be uh, consistent with our thought processes. Uh, but the, at, at that point, I'm still trying to understand what she means and what they want. So uh, I'm, I'm more the objective analyzer for them in that instance, as opposed to as a shaman, I was literally your guide within the context of your field. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, right? All everybody who was at the Bodhi retreat had some sense of I am here for something connected to my soul, my path, my purpose, what I need to do. They didn't show up thinking they were getting a manicure and a pedicure, which no, no offense to anybody who's getting a manicure or a pedicure, but they were there to go deep. So I do understand the power of why that exercise was used in that context. And, and, and there's this understanding that the language of the soul, so when you're trying to work it within the context of that soul, uh, where you'll get the information, it's going to be in fairy tales, you know, which is kind of what we were working with. So it, it, because it just it lends itself to be able to, to connect with, uh, uh, with that field that is, that it, it, we considered, you know, another, uh, way of looking at that is that's your soul, you know, in the sense that that's your actual feel that uh, uh, has been with you for infinity and will probably be with you infinity the other way. So yeah. at least within the context of what we see as time. For sure. And honestly, it did. There were two really significant uh, moments for me at the retreat as far as not a healer, not a teacher, as somebody who was going through a transformation, yeah. both were highly unexpected. And the very first one was that session with you just in doing that story. And so for our listeners, that story for me, essentially at the end of it, you are the princess, you are the dragon, you are the warrior. And so throughout my story, I started out as a frog. And then over the course of like the frog loving itself, it turns into a dragon and then the princess is riding the dragon. She's a warrior. And so that like culmination of owning the dragon warrior princess was what kind of came out of that. As I shared that with the group and I wasn't going to, I was literally like, you know, when you don't want to do something, but you know, you must do something. Yeah. That was where I was. I was just like, nope, let somebody else share. If somebody else puts their hand up, then you don't have to. And it's like my soul, my higher self is just like, you're doing this. You're about to ask all of these beautiful women who have shown up here to bear their soul. And you've just like gone through this wild transformation. You're going to share this. And I was just like, oh, I guess I'm doing this. Right. And so I'm standing up there. It's so beautiful to hear you. Yeah. Oh, but I was, I was shaking no, and I was crying. Like I'm, I'm a pretty put together sort of person sometimes. Like, but I was honestly, I was like, I'm having a healing right here, right now in front of everybody. I remember Sarah, one of the other teachers there who I just met. Um, wonderful. Amazing. Love her. But she's literally like holding my foot. 
She's like holding on to me, grounding me, like keeping me. And she comes up after and just like cradles me into her arms. But it was just like, whoa, I did not see that coming. So thank you for that. Um, I know that we touched base briefly after, after you were there that night, but, um, from a very deep part of my soul, thank you. That was incredibly powerful. It was eye-opening for me to own that piece and to kind of like, it was really beautiful too as the start of that very weekend was just like, Dragon Warrior Princess, you got this, right? And it was just really beautiful. So I thank you for that. It was really powerful. It's, it's, it was the field and the helpers that were there, you know, and it's, it's all, you're, you're the mirror of an expression of the beautiful aspect that lives inside of you, you know, and, and we sometimes forget it because we tend to always use that judgment side of ourselves that somehow mm -hmm. have been embedded in there. But uh, you have the clarity. That's so beautifully seen. Well, thank you. It, thank you. It was so powerful and so beautiful. Um, I do have one more question that is not related at all to this, but um, as you take us through this journey, and I think of Angela, who is a fitness nutrition coach, um, really leaning into that spiritual aspect and in connection to that, and you do that very same thing. Have you had a physical transformation? Is that what led you down the path of this? I think of Angela has had many different physical transformations. I think of you when you were doing your bodybuilding stuff and to um, the intuitive cyclical uh, living that you're doing now and the way that your body is and right. Like life after babies and all like just the beautiful transformation that is um, the the human vessel is capable of. I wonder, is, is there a deep connection to you? Did you go through this journey or what brought you, why the passion behind um, weight loss and physical transformation for, for the people that you help? So that is very consistent with my trajectory uh, journey, going back to when I first began to think about why I wanted to be a doctor. And that was simply, I wanted to make the world better. You know, in the days when I was back in Guatemala and, you know, I, I saw the poverty and I saw a lot of the injustices that uh, were unfortunately uh, being experienced by a lot of the population. Uh, it opened up my heart to the point that I wished that one day I could make a difference in the world to make it better. And so within the context of that path, I always wanted to help cure people. That's the word that, you know, it's used by doctors. So I want to cure and I want to take care of my mom and I'll take care of my, you know, all these different people. And so I eventually stepped into that, but I uh, began to understand that it wasn't really giving the answer that I needed in the sense that I continue to see more patients and more patients, but they weren't really getting any better. In the process of that, I myself was working 20, you know, 15 hours a week, you know, seeing patients in the office, uh, eating dysfunctional. I got to probably weigh 50 pounds more than I weigh today. Uh, had a very successful practice, you know, was eating sandwiches for lunch and drug reps would bring all kinds of lunches and, you know, living this life of, of like 
somebody that wants to make a difference, but is running like a chicken without a head. And even though there may have been some successes along the way, you know, in terms of providing for the family and creating, you know, establishing my practice, it, I began to become that dysfunctionality myself. So part of the journey was definitely for me in appreciating what was happening to me, I was still thinking I was a, a tiger, you know, oh, you know, I can, I can do anything. You know? But when I looked at my patients, I mean, they were not getting any better. And so one pivotal moment comes when my mother comes to visit and she says, Mijo, is there any pill you can give me? Because I don't feel good. And so she was a diabetic, hypertensive, had about 50 pounds of excess weight. She was now in her mid 40s to early 50s, uh, probably early 50s. And so she was in that stage of her life and she felt depressed. She felt not really happy. And I look and say, sure, mom, let me take a look. And I review her labs and everything. And she was being followed perfectly well because I had left her in good hands when I left Chicago with good people. And they were doing everything perfect the way that I would do it and do it to my other patients. But yet my mother wasn't feeling well. I realized that it was the medicines, it was the condition. And, we, and so it was, it was an aha moment that then began my journey into saying, what am I going to do different? Because I can no longer practice something that I no longer truly believe just to practice it because that's what people expect from me to give them an antibiotic when I really don't think that that's really what they need. And so I began that transformation. So I think there is definitely some personal aspect within the context of, of that journey in terms of just being overweight and being a risk factor. But my mother, you know, was probably a pivotal part of my journey in uh, challenging me to help her feel better. Uh, she said with a pill, but actually we got, her, I got rid of all the pills and that's, and, and then she was able to, you know, regain her health and no longer diabetic and began to, to live life from a different point of view. And so that was a, so it's a personal transformation that was also my calling because, and at the end, I, I, I now have been able to take care of thousands of people. I take care of people with cancers, with diabetes, with hypertension, people who have a risk for it. And, you know, at the end of the day, mother earth is the healer. So uh, what I do is just educate them to go back to the basics, you know, learn to eat the greens and, you know, make sure that they know what is, which are the dirty dozen and which are the clean 15. So they know which vegetables they need to buy organic and which vegetables they can get away by conventional means, you know, because we live in a world of confusion. And so trying to create some clarity along the way. Uh, but that was kind of my transformational story in terms of my, my pain that I felt when I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was really able to even help my mother feel better because I, I would have been giving her everything she was being given. And so the only way to fix it at that point was to get to the root of the problem, which was looking at me every, single, every time I saw her, she was 50, 70 pounds of excess weight. And so would you say then, one, one thing that I notice in my practice is it's usually the physical that gets people to pay attention, right? And so with you are a weight loss expert through mm -hmm. shamanic healing, as well as your physician background and knowledge, but is it that people get, they, they show up because they're so uncomfortable in their skin and then it's well, let's find out why all this is actually here. And it's the unpacking and the uncovering and the releasing of all of that, right? Like I think 
so many people, we're happy to just ignore, shove down. It's not happening, right? Oh, and I can take a, I can take a pill for, I can take Advil for a headache and I can take this for that and I can take this for that and I can take this for that. But I still hate the way I look, right? It's staring at them, that illness, their gut health, their psychology, their core beliefs are staring at them every single day when they put their pants on, when they get in the shower, when they buy clothes, when they take pictures, everything. It's this physical representation of all that feels wrong. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're, you have a beautiful insight that really is, is their suffering. That, 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 is, that is where this, you know, they come face to face with it on a regular basis, consciously and subconsciously. And that's what I see just in our conversation here and with what you do, Angela, is that it's, it's not the body. The body is this, it's a beautiful vessel in whatever shape that it is, but you're packing a lot of discomfort in there. And let's, let's move through that because this will all change when all of this other stuff shifts and moves and let's go. So yeah. Totally. And it's almost, I was, I was going to say, it's almost like if you look at food often for somebody who's carrying a lot of excess weight, there's a reason why it got to the spot that it did, but we really have to do the, go through the process of unpacking and healing all of that. Um, or it's similar to any other addiction where if you haven't actually healed the reason why the food became the thing that they leaned on, then you don't get that sustainability. They're not able to release it forever. They're on the yo-yo back and forth for all of their life because they they're still have that substance that's trying to regulate their nervous system and help them make the pain go away, right? And so when, um, Cesar Lara, when you explain that it's the suffering, that's really the root of all of it is that they were using food as the tool to numb the suffering of whatever pain is beneath that. Because if you are going to be somebody that let's say is carrying an excess hundred pounds, you didn't get there without some sort of pain that showed up along the way. Yeah, no, that's very, that's very insightful. And I, one of the uh, stories that I tell my patients is that, you know, the fat is this beautiful cell that is made by God and it's there by design. In other words, we were made perfect and the fat cells are part of that perfection. And so excess weight or obesity is really a disease of the fat cell. But just, and so our intention should be to heal the fat cell. And so what the main role of the fat cell is to protect the body. So it protects the body against trauma, it protects the body against severe cold, and it also protects the body against starvation if we didn't have any food. But just as important, it protects us against emotional trauma in addition to emotional toxins or chemical toxins. So for example, if you eat a cracker and you think, oh, but it's just a cracker, it's only 30 calories, but you don't read the label, you don't realize that it's got canola oil. Well, canola oil is a poison to the body that's going to make you dysfunctional. And so without understanding that, the person thinks that they're eating this healthy cracker. When it goes into the mouth, the body has this intuitive power to know immediately that this is a chemical that is not good for it. So what, what the body has been able to appreciate is that the fat cells are there to protect it. And so guess where all the toxins of the body end up? 
in the fat cells. So the fat cells are this amazing depository that is there to protect us from all the stuff that's around us, either in the form of chemicals or the things that are coming to us emotionally. So I always like to ask my patients to put their hands in that part of their body that feels they're most uncomfortable because of their weight. And many times it's their abdomen. Um, and then I say, I want you to say thank you to your fat cells because they've been there to protect you. They've been taking all the hits for you. Now it's time to get them healed and it's time to help give them some love and appreciation and let them, let's help them release all that dysfunction so they can become better again, so they can become healed. So that introduces the thought of someone seeing themselves as becoming healthier rather than thinking something's wrong with them. You know, and, and, and it begins to shift the thought, but more importantly, it aligns us in the ability to begin to bring honor to the fat cells. Because it, it's almost like we made fat cells be the enemy. You know, let's suck them out, let's cut them out, do whatever you need to do. They're really there for our divine beauty. I mean, they are part of the endocrine system. They make all kinds of interesting hormones. They, uh, our brain is made mostly of fat. So if we didn't have any fat, we would not be able to have intelligent conversations. So, you know, we, we definitely have a significant amount of uh, appreciation for our fat cells. At least I, I love them. That's amazing. I was going to say, I absolutely love that perspective. And I'm sure for you, Ashley, I'm sure you see lots of people in their body language and the way that they show up and lay down on your table. I know that's one of the things that you're always kind of taking note of when they show up and they say why they're there, where their hands sitting when, when they go and they sit down in the chair or lay down on the table, right? Yes. It's, it's funny when somebody comes for their first session, for their first Reiki treatment. The first thing that I, when they lay down is just where do their hands go? So some people, it goes right to their heart. Some people, it's many people, it's right uh, below their belly button, wow. right in the sacral chakra. So pleasure, joy, um, but it's also where many carry a lot of excess fat and right. So the hands as our number one healer, cause it comes from our heart. That's our extender out wherever we put our hands is where we are requiring most healing. Or if the knees are crossed, knees represent worries, right? Or if the ankles are crossed. So the body is constantly communicating with us. And it's like you said, Caesar, that are we listening? Are we perceptive? Are we noticing these things? Right. And that's when people are like, Oh my gosh, you must be psychic. I'm like, no, I'm just reading what your body's telling me. Like you what do you do for joy? And they're like, oh, nothing. I'm like, I can tell because just where your hands are tells me that you have next to zero amount of joy in your life. And, you know, you don't put yourself first. And it's all based on just like where those blockages show up based on those hand placements and yeah, weight loss, um, releasing the weight, body hate, self-image. It shows up for, yes. for so many people. And I think it is, I agree with you in that it's the dysfunction that's happening inside. And it's not until it gets to our physical form that we actually start to pay attention. And when it gets so bad and everybody has their own different breaking point, right? And right. So some people it's a hundred pounds. Some people it's 20 pounds. Some people 
it seems the mountain is too high, so they don't even go there. And everybody has their path, and it's beautiful. Um, but I do think that it's really I, I want everybody to understand that what we're talking about is the spiritual journey in connection to releasing the weight. Um, it's not just let's just do a bunch of push-ups and we'll we'll get our body back in shape, right? And Angela, we've talked about this many times, and this is actually why our paths have intersected so beautifully is that the physical is spiritual. The spiritual is mental. The mental is emotional. The emotional is spiritual, right? Like they, there's these four major pillars and they are all interconnected. And if you want to be, if you want to rise, if you want to be the best version of yourself, it's in all of those areas, right? But most people don't pay attention until it hits that physical pillar and it hits it really hard. Yes. Yes. And, and unfortunately that is how, you know, uh, many of us wait to become awakened, right? So some horrible trauma or some horrible disease that suddenly makes us think, what have we been doing for all these years? And I never did this, or I never did that, or who am I anyway? And you know, you begin to wonder uh, what your life is all about. Uh, I think trauma causes that, but uh, you know, obesity is not just one trauma, but I think it's a continual, you know, almost like a consistent battering of of uh, of challenges that are there that are many times geared in uh shame you know like when somebody has been sexually abused i mean they're just embedded significant amount of emotional trauma there in the form of shame um but many times is just they don't appreciate themselves for a deeper reason and 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 why is that and sometimes it's within the context of my uh Western way of uh, education, it was always, I always hit a wall there because many times I, I, I could sense something, I could see patterns, but there was no history of anything to support that. But now as a shaman, I understand that I'm not limited to, 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 to this lifetime, but I'm, I may actually be seeing a, a, a karmic uh, a pattern that is repeating itself, which is obviously looking at the energetic field and beginning to recognize that sometimes the traumas that we're talking about are not um, just our own, but they could be society's uh, traumas. Like a simple example would be with the, uh, uh, ex- you know, the, execu- the uh, uh, Germans executing all of the Jewish population and, and doing these horrific things that that affects a whole a whole society, uh, you know, the indigenous population thinking that the Spaniards come to take everything away. And so how do you get rid of that hate of, for someone that took away your homeland and, you know, uh, and is ruined uh, Mother Earth? You know, as, as as indigenous people, they they need to rise above that. Otherwise, they begin to be the creators of what what they're trying to run away from. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Before we let you go, Mr. Lara. Yes. Dr. Lara. Shaman Lara. Shaman. I'm good. I'm, I'm a little of every of all of those. <laughs> I love it. It's eclectic. It's a mix. It's the right. And I think as healers and all of us as healers, it's it's not this cut and dry, this perfect, like it's I am all of these things. And that's what makes me so good at what I do and allows me to help 
people in the way that I help them. So I, uh, I, I mean that with the utmost respect as I call you all these beautiful names that are your name. Um, before we let you go, I do want to, you mentioned the clean 15 and the dirty 12. Yes. You don't have to tell us all of those, but can you tell us what are the, like the three best and the three worst things that we can put into our bodies? And then I promise we will let you go. Yeah. So, 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 so first of all, it's, it's an easy thing to, to get if you use uh, dial uh, uh, Google clean 15 and you'll get the actual list. And then you also get the list of the dirty dozen. But in the dirty dozen, the interesting there part there is that you're going to be surprised which the dirty dozen are. Uh, at least I was surprised because when we talk about the world of um, maintaining our weight and making good choices and eating healthy, we always think that if I go to the restaurant and I'm going to have my fish, I'm going to say, I don't want the potato. I want a green. So you're going to say you want spinach, you want asparagus. Most people would choose many times the spinach thinking that's Popeye, that's the healthiest. But spinach and kale are the two uh, greens that hold the most pesticide per pound. So if you end up getting spinach or kale at a restaurant, you can pretty much be 99.9% .9 sure that that restaurant did not get that spinach organic. So therefore, in, in those instances, I think we do much better by choosing part of the clean 15, which would be asparagus, uh, mushrooms, uh, cauliflower. Um, those tend to be significantly, they, they, they may still have some, some pesticide in it, if it was conventionally grown, but it's not enough to affect the uh, actual nutrition. So, and then when it comes to fruit, uh, the most toxic fruit that is, if it is not um, from an organic source is the strawberry, which again, you know, most people would think strawberries, low glycemic, it's healthy, hey, strawberries look good. And obviously they're delicious, but I think we need to be a little bit uh, uh, more aware that those three, uh, strawberries, spinach, and kale should always be organic. And uh, of course, the things that don't have to be organic to some extent are a little bit more uh, understandable, like avocado. You don't have to buy organic avocados because they have this big coating. So typically you're not gonna have any issues with that. So those are some of the examples of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. Excellent. Okay, I more homework. Uh, these. <laughs> These teachers from the Bodhi Retreat, I feel like I'm getting all these beautiful tidbits and we have some more homework. I'm going to research those. And, um, and, and I really appreciate, you know, you sharing your technique by, you know, because it's going to bring me attention now to the body language, you know, and to see, I mean, that that is such a beautiful insight. I really appreciate oh. you sharing oh. it. Yeah. Please use it. And I find even when people are talking, right? So when somebody's talking about a trauma and they talk and they start doing this, you're like, oh, that's on the back of your mind. Or they do this, right? It's like, ooh, you've got an intuition about that. Or, right? So they, people will. So yeah, please use that. That's, I find it. It's um, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. I think at this point we are going to say good night and goodbye. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on with us for the Transform Your Life podcast. Please, everybody, those of you who are listening, if you have someone in mind who you think would enjoy this, please like, share, find us on social media. We love you and um, we will catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you.